Hello and a very warm welcome to another edition of the Drinks Break podcast. I'm your host, Charlie, as usual, and I hope I'm joined by Mark, back in my co-host seat. Mark, are you there, mate? Yep, I am back here. I'm ready and raring to go again. How are you doing, my friend? Yeah, I'm okay. Just uh, for anyone listening out there worried about my health, I have bad tonsillitis again. So we finally got used to what's actually wrong with me. There you go. We know why you sound like a horse now. I was just going to go with, go with my little pony, I think. Okay. Okay, I can deal with that. It's <laughs> all I could think of. Okay, no worries, mate. Um, good to have you back. Um, I'm looking forward to the show. We've got quite a lot to talk about today. It doesn't seem a lot, but obviously once we start talking in detail, it's going to be quite a lot of information now. We're back from the international break. The Premier League and Championship joined League One and League Two this week as normal services resume. But I think we have to start with the Merseyside derby between the blue side of Everton and the red side of Liverpool. Now, Everton come into this as top of the table and Liverpool come off into this game off the back of a 7-2 defeat last time against Aston Villa. Now, we spoke quite in depth about that game last week in our 7-Up podcast, which was episode 10. So if you haven't checked that out, please please do go and check that back out on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. So, Mark, What's you thinking about the Merseyside derby tomorrow's game? I think if there's any Premier League game that you know is nice to welcome us back, I suppose to English football, then it was going to be this one, wasn't it? It's a, a mouth-watering affair. It always is when it's a a Merseyside derby. You know, you know exactly what you you're going to get uh, between two sides who many consider it obviously to be a, a friendly rivalry, but it's a rivalry nonetheless. It's still a big derby. They're they're very very close together. And uh, and for a long time now, it's always been a case of can Everton, I suppose, cause somewhat of the upset um, because of the, the the divide that is there and the, the the golfing quality that's been there over the the last few years. And the way that this season started, it's it's a very different affair because Everton are the the team in form and the way they've started. We've we've spoken about it numerous times, but it's been impeccable. Angelotti's got a really good. Uh, flow of football going with that team and, and the recruitment that has helped to, to get that. Uh, and you compare it to the way that Liverpool performed and, OK, it's three wins from the first four, but we all saw what it was what it was like against Aston Villa and it was ropey and very, very shaky. So it's a very different game um, to welcome us back to English football, like I said, and, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a good uh, quality, quality tie. You could probably say it's the most biggest Merseyside derby in recent years because obviously in the last few years there's been quite a golfing class and obviously stature of how good Liverpool have been and obviously Everton have only been mid-table, not really done much. But I think this time, this is the biggest game they've had for a very long time because this time it's Everton with a form team. Everton are coming to this on the back of four victories in a row. They look the team this season to beat at the moment given how they've played and you know, I think for me personally, it's going to be a fantastic game. I hope it's not a bore nil-nil draw like we saw after the lockdown period. They both came back. But I think that was down to obviously getting back to full fitness and form. So we can't really talk about that very much. But I'm expecting goals. I think there will be goals. I'm expecting the odd couple of mistakes, given we spoke about Liverpool's defence and obviously the goalkeeper. It looks like the goalkeeper won't be back in time. You look at Ellerton, Pickford's still a bit risky in goal. So I, I think there's going to be goals there and both teams going forward. You know, you look at Calvert-Lewin and how he's done 
Dominic Calvert-Lewin, eh? If he ever listens to this podcast, he must be thinking, Charlie, I've had your pants down, mate. <laughs> you doubted me, and I've got you. He has, hasn't he? He has, yeah, definitely. He he has suckered you home and dry there. But, um, yeah, like you, you say, absolutely, you know, the, the, there's been the shaky shakiness at the back with the two goalkeepers that, that we're going to see on Saturday because Alisson won't be back in, in the in between the sticks for Liverpool. So it's going to be Adrian and, of course, Pickford. And, and we all sort of have our have our little bits when it comes to Jordan Pickford, I think. A lot of people would probably agree he's not the, the number one for the England team, for example. And, um, and yeah, there's, there's going to be... There should be goals based on what we've seen at the start of the season, not just from the two sides, but from the Premier League as a whole and the amount of goals that we've witnessed. There, there should be goals in this one. But if I was to... To say that now, I think it would, there'd be a good chance that it's going to end up being a drab nil-nil. But but we'll see. Yeah, I think there's cap- it, it, it's capable, of course, because of the, the quality of player that's on that pitch. Absolutely. Um, I expect there to be goals. I really do. Now, obviously, we spoke about Pickford. Me and you have our reasons for not liking him. Not football-related, but we won't talk about that. It's not something we're going to discuss. But I'm really interested to see how this fixture goes because Everton have the chance here to pull six points clear of their very local rivals. So the incentive's there for three points, isn't it, Mark? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's, it's not just the it's not just the incentive ultimately for um for getting one over your rivals, but but, but with the way that things have started, you know, uh, beating your rivals and beating the team that many people on paper would obviously say are going to be the 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 top dogs, the team to beat to to win the Premier League this season. If Everton did that, it's a statement of intent and Jurgen Klopp said in his press conference about um, when Carlo Ancelotti came in to Everton. And we all know, you know, Carlo Ancelotti comes in with a great background at the end of the day and a great history as a manager. But he, he said that when he came in as Everton boss, um, he saw there, there was a new challenge, basically, and that was going to be the next challenge. So whether that's you know, Klopp suggesting that as soon as Ancelotti walked through the door, he thought Everton were going to be title challenges as possible. Um, but, the, you know, the way that he has started to turn things round, and I know it's still early doors, the way that it started this season, Jurgen Klopp might be right in that sense. Absolutely. I think we've got to give credit to Ancelotti, the job that he's done. We, we we talked a bit about Everton. I mean, I did personally, because I predict them to be the underdog this season. Obviously, a team to look out for and... They're not doubting anyone at the moment because they're playing fantastic football. They have very good recruitment. And I, I, I'm, I'm really expecting a very good game on this, Mark. Obviously, I'm going to do my predictions. I, I think you still want me to You do are, that. yes. I am going to make you do your predictions once we've spoken about the Premier League. This is all down to you this week and see how you fare. Yes, indeed. I'm looking forward to what sort of name you found me, if you have <laughs> found me one. But I, I'm really looking forward to it. And if you, aren't, if you aren't around watching it, then I'm sure you'll find somewhere to watch it at some point because it's going to be a very good game and something we're going to look forward to going forward in the season. Now, we turn our attentions away from Merseyside and we move to Manchester where Arsenal travel to Pep Guardiola's underforming Manchester City team. Now, we spoke in depth the other day again and I'm going to talk about the podcast again. We did a podcast on Tuesday where we ranked the top 20 managers in the Premier League. Mark was insistent that Guardiola was the best I said he was only excellent. Now, we had quite a bit of debate about this. Mark ended up taking the reins in this one. Um, but so far this season, they've been very underwhelming. And I'm not going to tell you my score prediction now, but I have a good chance that Arsenal will get a result here. Mark, what's your thoughts on the game 
tomorrow night. On paper, the way things have gone for both sides, yeah, it could you could see Arsenal getting a result. I did, I made a point of saying when we were doing that, uh, when we were doing that podcast, that this at the moment is probably the worst period in Pep Guardiola's uh, managerial career. The last twelve to eighteen months, perhaps, haven't quite been what he would have anticipated, of course, with the gulf between him and Liverpool last season and the performances to start this campaign. It's looking ropey, it's looking shaky. He hasn't quite done maybe the business that Man City fans or that the pundits would have anticipated. He's tried to work on the defence, which was something that was key um, based on sort of last season and uh, the, 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 the fact that midfielders were having to drop into those defensive positions a lot. So working on that was key for him, but it has kind of meant that other positions have been a little bit overlooked. So if you're a Man City fan, maybe the business hasn't been quite right. Um, Arsenal, we've we've sort of said on a number of occasions that they're looking promising and they've started the season off well. They should be very happy with how they've started um, and not conceding many goals. Okay, not maybe scoring as many as, as the other uh, top teams in the league, but they're keeping keeping winning games and as long as you're winning games ultimately you're going to be up there at the end of the season so it's not going to be easy for City I don't think Arsenal's record is overly good at the Etihad but they're not going to make it easy for Man City and, and yeah I could easily see I'm not going to say they, I'm not saying they're going to win but I could see Arsenal getting a result yeah I wouldn't be surprised now for me personally we spoke a bit about the transfers they signed three very expensive players in Nathan Ake uh, Ruben Diaz and Ferran Torres two central defenders and a winger now, I think Guardiola and Man City have overlooked the transfers this season because I believe that they've not strengthened in areas that they need. Obviously, we've seen the legend David Silva return to his native Spain. Um, great player for the last 10 years. Probably one of the best players the Premier League's ever seen. Very consistent. Does what he does. But I think they've not replaced him well. I know we've got the likes of Foden and people like that who are going to get their chances, but I think they needed someone experienced there who's going to slot in alongside De Bruyne and do what David Silva does. So I'm very surprised that they haven't tried to replace him because I don't think the likes of Gundogan, Fernandinho are that good for Man City at the moment. You know, they're okay players, but they're not world-class players. And I think that's a position they've quite overlooked. And I also think that um, Sergio Aguero, probably one of the best strikers in Premier League history as well. If you look at his recent history, now we did a podcast the other day, the quiz, and he only played a certain amount of games last season. His goal-scoring record was outrageous, given the amount of games he played. But the injuries are starting to affect his career recently. And I also don't think that Gabriel Jesus is the answer to their problems when he obviously doesn't play. And he's also injured. So I'm surprised that they haven't gone out and spent money on quite a big player. You know, I think maybe this season or into next summer, they're going to need to look at someone like Erling Haaland from Dortmund. You know, they're going to have to find someone who's going to fill the void because I don't think Aguero is going to be around for a very long time. So, I don't know, Mark, what do, you, do you think I've been quite um, bold in my statement or do you think like you agree with what I'm saying or do you think maybe there's other positions that are needed to build No, on? I respect it and I understand it. I think... Um... I think what I was kind of yeah, what I was kind of getting at, obviously, with the the defenders, you know, bringing in Ake and Diaz, who are not you know the the world class player that Manchester City fans would have come to expect over the last few years, you know, under this obviously ownership, um, but they're players for the future, 
I think they're players that are going to build um, a solid foundation in that defence over the next couple of years, and along with uh, Americ Laporte as well, who I think is an excellent defender. But I think the defence has been the area that Man City have needed to work on. Like I said, you know, it's been midfielders having to drop in. Fernandinho probably played, uh, I don't know, maybe fit him. It might have been 50-50 or something like that between the amount of games he played. He's a yeah, he played, played quite a lot the, uh... in the defence when he's a natural midfielder. Um, and that's a concern for Man City that, that Peppers has worked on. And like you say, it means that other positions have been overlooked. And I think the thing that's become quite frequent with Man City over the last few years is they they have these sort of two, three years of dominance with the same foundation of player, whether it was sort of like when Silva, Yaya Toure, Company and Aguero are all together, uh, as well as a couple of others probably around them, then they get to a point in their career, in their sort of late 20s, early 30s or whatever, where Man City then need to look to build on. They need to improve it. And that means that it then impacts Man City for a season. And I think maybe that's where they're starting to get to now. And that's unfortunately going to happen with players like Aguero because Aguero is not going to be around for much longer. He's been there for a good, what, nine years or so. So there's going to come a time where they're going to have to to look for the next generation of player. And maybe they've started to do that in the defence next season, January and next summer, start to work on the forward line. Potentially so. The good thing I admire about Pep is obviously, like you say, he's uh, vested wisely in the defence. I was quite surprised at the price tags. Obviously, okay, £40 million, that's a lot of money for a player that was relegated with Bournemouth. And also Diaz is a young man. His transfer was quite a lot of money. But the funny thing I'm going to say here is... We've spoken a lot about Man United as well in their defence. We both called for them to sign a centre-back. Now, any of those centre-backs could have signed for Man United. And I'm very surprised that they didn't bid for any of them because, you know, we spoke about Maguire and he's not been playing well and obviously got set off for England the other day. So, whether his mindset's on the game or not. But you have thought one of them players could have gone to the red side of Man United. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised. Yeah, it, Man United could have maybe done with a player like uh, Nathan Ake. Coming from from Bournemouth, you know, but he was he was inevitably going to get a move somewhere in the Premier League when Bournemouth got relegated. Um, yeah, and possibly Man United should have gone in for them. Uh, again, it's that thing we've spoken about it before. Maybe that Oli shows a little bit too much faith in in the defenders that he's got, and he isn't willing to to invest in that, particularly the centre half pairing when he should do. And luckily. I think on the Man City side, the blue side of Manchester, they've seen sense and recognised that that needed work. And uh, and they want to build, you know, the three, I think, of Laporte, Ake and, and Diaz. He sees Diaz really strongly as a leader um, for years to come. Working with those three together, it could prove to be a good move for Man City. But yeah, Man United could have easily got one of those players in. And, and maybe that just shows the lack of desire and the lack of uh, I'm trying to think is it's, it's, it's the owners really that are at fault that they don't want to maybe invest as much as they should do. Yeah, absolutely. I think given the fact that Sheffield United have spent a lot of money on Rian Brewster, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him now to get the goals in and fire him up the table. Now, I think it's going to be more important for Sheffield United to get the victory because if they lose, then you're starting to think, okay, this is quite interesting because if the pressure's on Sheffield United here on Sunday to win. Because Fulham go in as underdogs as usual. Um, but if they pick up a result, 
that could be the start of something something for them this season. But it's going to be very tough either way. Now, um, I want to talk about my predictions this week, Mark. I want to talk about my predictions. Now, you're going to come up with my catchphrase. So I'll let you take it away. Well, I decided in the end that uh, instead of a catchphrase, I was just going to make this more of a competitive nature. And I thought I was going to get on the... You know, the, the voice of someone who was doing an action film trailer and a sound really deep and American and make it sound like it's Mark <laughs> versus Charlie. Battle for the predictions. And just see where he's going for there. We're going to, I don't know. You sound like Ant and Dick <laughs> when they do the uh, Ask Your You just need program. to do the, like, quick looking left and right and make it really cool. But, yeah. I'd do it in my voice, but I wouldn't. <laughs> if I would. Your voice could actually do it. You're, you're deep enough at this point. You probably could pull it off. But I think, yeah, we'll just go for the competition of Mark versus Charlie. And we'll see what happens there. But yeah, obviously, I'm assuming you have your predictions ready. And we'll do it as we normally do. We'll go through one game at a time. I'm sure there are things that we're going to talk about as we go on. And I'll keep a record of what you're going for. So, Charlie, this is your opportunity, your predictions. And we'll start off with the game that we spoke about firstly. The 12.30 kickoff Saturday afternoon. <coughs> Merseyside Derby, Everton v Liverpool. You've said there's going to be goals, but what's your actual prediction? Absolutely. I think they're being let down by the owners. And we spoke about Solskjaer the other day, and his days could be done. But now, I want to talk about a game that I don't really think is going to get much attention in the media or anywhere. But it's a game on Sunday. It's between the winless teams of Sheffield United and Fulham. Now, both teams go into this on the back of four defeats. Both struggling with form and both looking in trouble this season, shall we say. Now, one of these teams is either going to go on a five-game defeat or they're going to get a point each. This game probably won't be spoken about much, Mark, but I think it's probably a very crucial game of the weekend. Yeah, think. but this early on in the season, it's, it's important for one of these two to start building something. And and this game is, is where there is an opportunity for one of them to get on a wave of momentum. You know, with a with a win, if one of them can do it, um, we we anticipated that Fulham were going to be down there. That's, I think that was pretty obvious for a lot of people. Yeah, you know, that's pretty obvious it, for yeah. a lot of fans out there. I would think. No offense to them, Sheffield United was a little bit more surprising. I've, I said when we did our predictions that I was going to see a, a a case of second season syndrome, but I didn't think it was going to be quite what we've seen so far in the early doors. Um, I think it's yeah, it's essential for both of these sides that they go out there with the aim to win. And I'm worried that that means you're actually going to have the opposite when it comes to the game day and you're going to have two sides that are actually afraid to lose. And it means that it's going to be a, a dogged, it's going to be a dogged cagey affair anyway. It's not going to be the glitz and glamorous football that you uh, see from the, the top tier teams in the Premier League it's going to be a, a, a very scrappy affair and um, and it's just a matter of perhaps it's going to be a mistake or a piece of magic from one of the players because there are other players on there that are capable of doing it a piece of magic that, that leads to a 1-0 a win for either side 2-2 two, two. Two, two. interesting yeah quite bold but I think there's going to be goals in this game spoke a bit about the defences and the goalkeepers I'm sure there's going to be some errors made. and I think Calvert-Lewin is going to get on the score sheet. But I think Liverpool, they need a result, Liverpool, after that defeat last time out. So I think they're going to have enough. And I think they'll they'll be happy with a point. 
So I'm going to go for two. Interesting. Two. I'd have gone. I'd have said there's going to be a win, but I just can't decide where. I don't think it's going to be that even enough that they both take away a point. But I couldn't decide. I wouldn't be able to decide who's actually going to win this game. Uh, moving on to the three o'clock kickoff. Um, which is now on Sky Sports box office, of course, if you want to pay £15 to uh, to watch these three o'clock games. I believe that's one of them anyway. I think there's, there's some on Sunday as well. Uh, it's at Stamford Bridge, Chelsea v Southampton. Can we just say before we talk about our predictions, that £15 a game is an absolute Agreed. disgrace. Too much. You can't expect someone to pay £15 to watch one game their team play a game. I said this the other day, if there's four games a month and your team isn't selected for television, that's £60 a month. That's more than Sky and BT probably put together just to watch your team play a game of football. Very true. On top of whatever the the yearly um, contract would be for for Sky, I don't know how much it costs. We've got Sky at home, but I don't know how much we, we pay so it's absolutely ludicrous. Apologies, this isn't one of the Sky Sports box office games. This is on BT Sport, but um, but still, the the point still stands. It's it's ludicrous, uh, for whatever it is. It's a joke, yeah. I can't believe that, given the circumstances and everything that's going on, you could expect people to pay fifteen pound. Now, fair play to Leicester; they were the only team that decided they don't want their pockets filled. They yeah. want to keep the fans on. They were the only team that voted against it. So, fair play, Leicester City. We appreciate everything you've done there. But to the other Lightning clubs, what your decision would Agreed. be Agreed. Yeah, unfortunately, 1v19, Leicester, you're just not going to win in that scenario. Anyway, rant. Let's let's stop the rant. Let's see what you have gone yeah. for for the Stamford Bridge uh, game. Frank Lampard's Chelsea versus Ralph Hassan Hootel's Southampton. I've gone for a 3 1 okay. home win. Um, I just think Chelsea come off the back of a very good win against Crystal Palace. They look solid. I think they've got goals in them now. But I think Southampton with Danny Ings up front, I think they'll need a consolation. But I think Frank's boys will have too much for the Saints. So, 3-1 three, to Chelsea. 3-1 to Chelsea. Yep, fair enough. I think I would have gone for something very similar in that respect. Uh, five, 5.30 kickoff at uh, the Etihad. It's one that we've spoken about. Manchester City versus Arsenal. You've suggested you think Arsenal are going to get a result. But what does your prediction actually say? A draw or a win, potentially? Oh, it's very tough. Because, you know, you look back at that game they had against Arsenal just after lockdown. Arsenal are appalling. They were 3-0. But this is two very different sides from that. And I actually fancy Arsenal to get a result here. So I'm going to go for Arsenal to nick it 2-1 away win. And I should sound surprised by that. But, I mean, one, I've I've said that I think Arsenal will get a result anyway. And the, the home and away situation that's gone out of the window, really, this season, hasn't it? It's It's not a surprise. Yeah, there's no such thing anymore. Home, home, home. Yeah, it's not a surprise if anymore. Arsenal go to another ground and they go and get that win. Um, yep, two one to Arsenal, and then the fourth game on Saturday. This is the first one that is on Sky Sports box office. This, this is, is one eight o'clock yeah. uh, kickoff. Uh, St James's Park, uh, Newcastle United versus Manchester United. What are you going for there, Charlie? It's quite an interesting one, Matt, because you know United are coming off the back of that heavy defeat. Newcastle started okay, can mm. we say? They started brilliant. I'm 1-1. Yeah, I, I don't fancy United to win there. I, I just don't know. There's something that tells me, and obviously Maguire, if he plays after the game he played the other night, he doesn't look very um, mentally right. I don't want to 
you know, we speak a lot about men's health, but I don't think he's in the right position to mm. play professional football at the moment. And I think if he plays, you know, they, Newcastle might prey on that. So I, I'll give If that was one to one. happen, how much more pressure would that put on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer for you? I think there's going to be a huge amount of pressure, and especially given the fact that they play PSG on Tuesday night in the Champions League, which obviously, you know how good PSG are at the moment, giants of French football, looking to win a Champions League. I think this next week could be very crucial in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's Manchester United career. I don't think they'll sack him just yet, but I think if they don't get the results this week, he's going to have a lot more Absolutely, pressure. Absolutely, yeah. And maybe that will see suggest why we put him in our useless category in our uh, manager ranking podcast, which if you haven't listened to, then please do we go did. back and we listen. Uh, moving on to Sunday now. We've got obviously the four games that uh, take place on Sunday, starting off with the midday kickoff uh, at Bramall Lane. It's one that we've spoken about here. Sheffield United and Fulham. Is it going to be uh, both sides without a win still, or is it going to be one side losing five in a row? I'm going to go one more to Sheffield United. What makes you say that? I think it's going to be that sort of game where it's going to be a bit edgy. I think there's going to be some cards in this game. Yeah, I won't be surprised if we see a red card at some point. I think they're both going to be quite aggressive going into the game. But I just think Chris Wilder, four win, four defeats on a bounce, he's going to steady the ship. And I think this is where the revival will start. And unfortunately for Fulham, I think this is where the fairy tale of being promoted is going to sunk now because I think they're just going to struggle for the rest of the season. But one little home win. Uh, I can agree with that. See any of the new signings for both sides possibly uh, making a bit of an impact in this game? Obviously, Brewster at Sheffield United, Fulham brought in Loftus-Cheek and Lookman on loan. Uh, any any impact there? There's going to be a lot of pressure on them two players to come in and make an impact. I think Loftus-Cheek is going to be a big bonus. We spoke about it. But I think it's going to be hard for him in a, in a very weak team this season. He's going to be the man that's going to have to make things happen. So there's a lot of pressure on his shoulders to get Fulham thriving again. But, you know, if he can form some sort of partnership with Luke Merlin, obviously you forget they got Mitrovic up front. If he can if he can bang in some goals, you know, who knows where Fulham could end up. But I, I think it's going to be a home Absolutely. Win we shall see. Moving on to two o'clock kickoff. We've got a couple of uh, derbies coming up here. One that's... Yeah, some people consider it a derby. It's a bit of a silly derby, in my opinion. The M23 derby, as they call it, between... Oh, God. Pretty much, yeah. Between Crystal Palace and uh, Brighton and Hove Albion, the first one on Sky Sports on Sunday. What have you got for that? I've never worked that out, though, how Brighton and Palace are basically main rivals, but your Palace is main rival at the same time. It makes no sense. Yeah, it's just the fact that the motorway connects the two of them. That's that's all. There are. I'm sure I've seen that there is some other history, like further back people, you know, saying the wrong things in the wrong ears, and uh, and that leading to it. But yeah, it's all all squabbles by the sound of it. Yeah, Um, this is a tough one because. Palace have started well, but then Brighton have started okay as well. But I'm going to go for Palace to nick it 2-1. I think if Batshuayi plays, they've got that front man element. And I think they might just be a bit too strong. 2-1 to Palace. Yeah, like I say, it's two sides that, in my opinion, I think they're performing well. And Brighton haven't um, quite got as much as they should have done from their opening game so far this season. But yeah, both sides playing well, so that'll be an interesting game. Uh, the next derby, we come over to London. This is always a tasty affair between these two sides. Uh, Jose Mourinho's Tottenham against West Ham United, who, of course, 
have won their last two games, scoring seven goals and not conceding any. So interesting one there. But what have you got for that? Yeah, very surgent West Ham team. I expect them to score, but I think they'll be outplaying. Obviously, if Gareth Bale plays, we spoke about the Caden Sol up front. I think they might have too much, but I'm going to go for four two. Oh. Be quite bold on this. I think mean, there's going to be quite a few goals. I've spoken a bit about Tottenham's defence as well not being too great, and I think obviously Antonio Bowen they look pretty good this season. So I'm going to go for a couple of West Ham goals, but. I think Tottenham are out 14. The thing is, with the way the Premier League has started this season, you could. Pre- you don't know, do you? That's exactly, you yeah. could predict a silly amount of goals, and and it could easily come true. So I would not be surprised there at all. And then the final game on Sunday, uh, seven quarter past seven on Sky Sports box office, uh, Leicester City, who in their last game didn't record a shot on target at home against West Ham, against the side that scored seven goals uh, against Liverpool. Aston Villa. So, who knows what this could be. Uh, what have you gone for that one? This is a tough one because, you know, you look at it, they scored seven goals last time, but I think we spoke about Brendan Rodgers and how good he is. I'm going to go 2-1 home win. I just think Vardy will show up this game. Obviously, pretty poor against West Ham last time out, but I think he's going to have enough and I'm going to go Interesting, and with that, you are saying that Villa are going to drop points for the first time this season. Yeah, but I think they'll give a good account of themselves and yeah, I don't think they'll, they'll go that point. I didn't realise that uh, Villa have only conceded two goals in their first three. I completely forget that their first two games they've kept they kept clean sheets. Yeah, yeah. only Liverpool so, scored yeah, completely forget twice, that, but fair play to them. They've had a blinding start. So let's see if they can continue it. Um, and then we've got two games on Monday night. First off, we travel to the Hawthorns. It is West Bromwich Albion taking on Burnley. What have you got there? It's another winless game for Burnley. They're another no, team they that's not, not won a game I don't game think they've yet, got a single point, in fact. You know what? I'm going to go for a home win again. I'm going to go 1-0. One, one and I expect Carlin, Ahern, Grant, who you know very well, Mark, I think he'll make... I think he'll come off the bench and I think he'll make a real impact. So we yeah, one I can West see Tom. that, yeah. I think he, uh, to, to talk about Carlin Grant very quickly, you know, he, he spent, obviously, grew up um, through Charlton's Academy um, and then had a breakout season, really, uh, the year that we got promoted from League One. He, he spent the first half of the season just absolutely on fire, got his move to Huddersfield, and he's made a, he's made a big name for himself. And, yeah, big money move um, to West Brom. So, so best of luck to him in that sense. And, yeah, like you say, this is a game between two sides who, again, haven't won. The only other two sides that haven't won so far this season. So a key game there. And then the final game... Uh, on Monday night, this one live on Sky Sports, uh, Leeds United versus Wolverhampton Wanderers. Oh, that's a tough one. I mean, that's another one that's quite tough. I think Wolves will be up for this game. I think they need a result. They've not been too great this season, but I think Leeds are going to have enough to get a point. So we go for a one or draw. I think draw. Okay. Uh, yeah, I could I could agree with that. I could see that happening. I, I'm just I'm, I'm very interested to see what it's going to be like. Bielsa versus Nuno on the touchline. Bielsa's yeah. quite animated, and so is Nuno. So could maybe have a few. Who knows? Yeah, two colourful personalities. We'll see. So there you go. That's Charlie's first week of predictions, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if you do any better than what I've done over the last three weeks. I'm sure you will do. But uh, it'll be interesting to see if anyone wants to get in touch and tell us if you agree or disagree with Charlie. Let us know. Absolutely, right. Now, let's move on with the show. 
uh, we move on to the championship. I know you want to speak a bit about League One and League Two, but we'll start with championship as it returns this week. Now, I read a stat online the other day, and it's a very interesting stat. Okay, only twice in the history of the championship have two teams mm-hmm. won their first four games. Okay, uh, I can't remember the two teams. I only saw the stat the other day, but both seasons, one of those teams finished second, and the other finished twelfth. So whether history is going to repeat itself for the third time. Could we see one of those well, two teams? Uh, obviously, the two teams in question here, we're talking about Bristol City and Reading, who have both won their first four. And on paper, if you compare them to the rest of the championship, in my opinion anyway, I don't think either of them would finish second. Um, but crazier things have happened in, in football as a whole, and particularly in the championship. The championship, we've always said, is a, a league where anyone can beat anyone. There's no denying that. So... You never know. But the way they've started, uh, they're scoring goals and they're shutting teams out, both of them, very well. Um, and you can't deny that. Uh, it, yeah, easily one of those two sides could do it. I'm not sure which one I would think more is more capable. I'd have to think about that. But I think they both could. Potentially, it's possible. Now, Mark, I don't know if you listened to one of our earlier podcasts. Now, I spoke about this the other day as well. Mark made a prediction and he got it bang on. He said that Sabri Lamucci would be the first manager to leave or get sacked from the championship. I did. Mark, that's, that's at least one thing that I right. got right. Little mini fist bumps in the air for me. I'd probably say Reading, just because of their experience. They've got quite a decent experience of getting out of the league. But like we say, I, I don't expect either of them to be near the top at the end of the season, Mark. But it's a very interesting start, isn't it? I only come across it the other day, and I thought, it's going to be something I've got to mention on the podcast. It was a good, very good thing for you to do that. You know, I, I did doubt it, but I, I did think the Watford manager might be first. But it's very soon in the cha- very soon in the championship season. Uh, obviously, appointed Chris Hewton, very good manager, very experienced. What's your thought, thoughts on him joining the new? Yeah, I think Hewton is sort of one of those very steady appointments that a number of. Uh, championship clubs could could make if if things don't quite work out at the start of a campaign um you know depending on obviously what you what your aim is at the end of the season you know i think nottingham forest obviously have lots of time to uh to get to their inevitable aim which i think was the top six that's what i said it was at the start of the season i think that's what they'll still aim for and houston with his experience and the clubs that he's worked with in the championship in the past birmingham Brighton, he took Newcastle out of the championship, um, Norwich, uh, the list goes on. He's got quite a long list of clubs that he's done it with and he could quite easily include Nottingham Forest there without a doubt. He's just got to settle it down because there's a lot that wasn't right at the club at the end of last season and that's why they finished outside of the top six. It's carried on into this season under under Lambushi and uh, and and Hewton's got his work cut out, but I'm sure he's more than capable. He will get it. He will settle it, and certainly start to pick up some points in in time. Absolutely, well, I, I think he'll be a good fit for Nottingham Forest. I think they need someone mm. experienced to uh, steady the ship. Before we move on to League One, I've just seen online that said Ben Rama has failed his medical ahead of a 30 million move to West Ham. He's obviously been linked with the Premier League for the entire summer period or the entire transfer period of September. 
we knew that that he was going to be one of the main target men. Him and, and Ollie Watkins. Watkins got his move, and it's it's surprising that we're coming down to yeah today being deadline day, recording this on the Friday, and he hasn't got that move, and it's looking like it's not going to happen. He would have. He needed a move. I think he needed to get away from Brentford and get himself into the Premier League because I think Brentford are, are still sort of suffering from the heartache of last season, haven't started this season particularly well. I think he could have done with that move and um and I'm not sure quite how the season if, if he's not if he's not gonna get this move now, I'm not quite sure how the season's gonna pan out for him. But yeah, it's a sucker punch for him, it's a sucker punch for West Ham that the, the medical's been failed. I just really can't understand why they leave it so late though. You've had about four brothers to sign players and you leave it to the last day and then he fails the medical. It's just I don't know whether it's a money problem or just trying to get him in and obviously the debate with Brentford how much he's going to pay for him. But I just don't understand why you'd leave it so late to sign a player of that quality. And also I'm quite surprised that no one else has jumped in to sign him because great player last season, very unfortunate to go up from the championship. But, you know, it might be another season he has to spend in the championship due to his medical failing. Now, I'm going to pass you over to Mark because I know you want to talk a bit about League 1 and League 2. from 13. In League One last week, it was interesting because Hull and Lincoln suffered their first defeats of the season. Hull took a 4-1 battering at the hands of Joey Barton's Fleetwood live on Sky on Friday night, while Bristol Rovers came from behind to beat Lincoln 2-1. I'm sure Charlie, your friend Lucy, would have been delighted by that result. If you haven't listened to that podcast, do go back. It was episode... And this allowed Ipswich to move to the top of the table and maintain an unbeaten start to the season. 4-1 victory away at Blackpool. Elsewhere, Gillingham, Peterborough and Accrington, they make up the top six after they all won on Saturday. And Oxford United remain early season strugglers despite high expectation for Carl Robinson's men. A 3-1 defeat to the Jills, leaving them in 21st with three points from their first four games. The Football League begins a period of weekend and midweek games as of Saturday, but this weekend sees an early first v sixth battle as Ipswich welcome Accrington to Portman Road. Lincoln seek to do what Hull couldn't do as they travel to Fleetwood. A mouth-watering game between Kenny Jackett's Portsmouth and Darren Moore's Doncaster takes place at Fratton Park. And two of last season's relegated sides from the Championship go head-to-head as Charlton welcome Wigan. Looking at some of those games from this weekend coming up, anything that catches your eye? mentioned the first versus sixth battle early days, but anything else from League One this weekend that's going to catch your eye, Charlie? I think obviously the Charlton game, something that sort of catches my eye because it's a battle of the newly relegated teams and obviously... There's been a bit of a re- resurgence at Charlton, but there's been a new lease of life, hasn't there? Obviously, with a takeover being completed and obviously a new um, growth of signings. Now, talk about some of them signings, Mark. Yeah, as you say, Ian Marston, a, a youngster from Chelsea on a season-long loan, and, and we have a good knack for developing some youngsters from the likes of Chelsea and Arsenal, so a good signing there. Um, Omar Bogle is someone who's experienced in the Football League, but it hasn't quite worked out when he's made championship and league one moves so it'll be interesting to see what he can achieve uh chris gunter a good veteran of the championship and of the premier league 10 years a veteran at reading uh comes he came in on a free transfer uh the fact that there's been so many I, I i lose track of who we've got ben watson another veteran was a free transfer from nottingham forest marcus madison free transfer from from peterborough there's been a lot there really has been a lot going on and it doesn't seem to be over That's yet because, time, uh, yeah. obviously, as I say, deadline day. Um, I think the aim 
at the moment is at least one more, potentially two, coming in by the end of the day. So, Absolutely. There's one other game that interests me in League One, and it's uh, obviously we spoke about Fleetwood. I think the one thing that some people overlook is that Joey Barton's managerial reign. You know, I think when many people look at the name Joey Barton, you instantly think, oh, there's trouble right there, given his career and what he did in football. He wasn't a bad player, but he was well known for his aggressive nature and his aggressive side and that. That comes back to haunt him sometimes. But the job he's done in management, he's took to it like a knife through butter, isn't he? He's really done well. And I, th- I think it's credit to him, you know, because he's done really well. And I, I think given the season at Fleetwood, if he has a good season, I think he could be a, a competitor to maybe join a club, maybe higher up the league or maybe even a championship club, given his development now. Yeah, in League Two, another league interesting two, weekend so, took place yeah, there. It was Morecambe headed to the top of the table after a tight 3-2 victory at Oldham and in the process became the first side since 1993 to top a table in English football with a negative goal difference. Currently have a negative one goal difference at the moment. The last team to do that was Norwich back in the Premier League in January 1993. In what was a a 4th versus 1st affair before the game started, it was the side in 4th who picked up 3 points as Cambridge picked up a 2-1 win against Newport County. And Salford City sacked manager Graham Alexander in midweek, despite his side being in 4th after a 2-all draw with Tramir Rovers and remaining unbeaten. Elsewhere, Forest Green smashed Scunthorpe by four goals to one, and the Sky game of choice on Monday night saw Harrogate Town defeat former Premier League side Bradford by a goal to nil. And this weekend coming up sees the new Salford interim coach, Paul Skull's first game, travel to Port Vale. League leaders Morecambe travel to mid-table Crawley Town. Walsall will play Exeter as they both look for an early surge into the automatic promotion places. And the newly promoted Harrogate and Barrow face-off for the first time since both entering the Football League. Now, just to bring it back, I mean, the, the big story, like I've just mentioned there from League Two, is Salford City sacking Graham Alexander, despite being unbeaten this season in the first five games and being in the playoff places. Charlie, how ludicrous is that for you? How, how ludicrous? It's a disgrace again. I keep saying the word disgrace, but I'm sorry, you've played five games, you're unbeaten, okay. You know, you conceded two late goals against Tramia. They shouldn't have gone back. But they're still fourth in the table. And I, I just don't understand the psychology behind it. It just makes no sense. I really wish I could make some sense of it, but it doesn't. Last season, OK, given the, you know, it was a bit different the way they finished. But they've had a brand new season, bought some players in. And you sack a manager after five games. No. You're not exactly down the bottom, are you? You're fourth in the table. I think it's a disgrace. And... You know, given the amount of money they've got, the Castellani to run the club, it's a bit of a interesting decision from them. It's like they've just thrown money at him and thought, you know what, it's okay, we'll get rid of him, get someone else in. But there's pressure on Paul Scholes now. Another man who's inexperienced coming into the Football League. Is he going to be a permanent manager? Is he just going to coach for a while before they get Yeah, that was in? kind of my point that I was going to mention. Of course, it is the class of 92, like you say, who are uh, partly behind um, Salford City's recent success. You know, they, they between them have, I think, 50% of the club. And then it's Peter Lim, I think his name is, who has the other 50%. And like you say, they put a lot of money in between them. But... You know, Graham Alexander has been a, a key part of, of getting Fleetwood, uh, getting Fleetwood, sorry, getting Salford to where they are today. 
Um, and, and then he gets kind of kicked to the curb and we get Scholes who comes in, who, like you say, is inexperienced. His one opportunity in management that he's had so far was at Oldham and he was there for a month, I believe. A month, two months tops. So for him to now come in in this interim role position, it's a peculiar thought process. You just wonder what was going through their minds when, when they made that decision. So it makes no sense, mate. And it just really winds me up with these sort of decisions because Graham Alexander is quite an established manager in the Football League. You know, he, he was a ex-player. He, he, I think he played fun, like... Fun facts, yeah. Fun fact, he made his 1,000th uh, game in English football, his 1,000th appearance um, in English football while he was playing for Preston back in 2012. And uh, it was against Cholton, funnily enough. Oh, funny enough. <laughs> but yeah, like I say, you know, experienced man in the football league knows it like the back of his hand. Mm. And, and reckless decisions like this make no sense. But it, it really frustrates me why you do something like this. And, you, you know, you talk about football and brains and chairmen, yeah. but sometimes you think, what are these It doesn't make thinking? any sense. For Graham Alexander, though, um, I, I'm sure you'll probably agree it, it shouldn't be too long before he finds a, another job elsewhere, do you think? I think he'll, he could go anywhere, I think. In the League Two, League One, I think he'll get a job and he won't really have any problems. I just think it's very disheartening for mm. managers when you get sacked like that when really you've done nothing wrong. You know, you're unbeaten, okay, shouldn't have conceded two late goals, but you know, it's agreed it completely. Well. Yeah, it, but, uh, best of luck to him and I hope he does find another job elsewhere. But that's your little roundup and overview for League One and League Two for this weekend. Great stuff, Mark. And uh, I think we'll wrap it up there. Because we're looking forward to a good weekend of football now. Um, obviously, next week we're looking for new ideas. You know, if you want to come on in any form of capacity, you know, we're looking to do another quiz lot next week. Or if you want to talk about your club, like I did with Lucy the other day, or if you want to have a debate about something, or you know, we've not had anyone come on and do a preview or review show of us. Yeah, so I think it would. Yeah, we we'll always try something different. Like and uh, the more voices that we bring to the podcast, the the better. It's it's good. You know. You get bored of hearing mine and Charlie's voice after a while. So hearing some fresh voices and fresh opinions is always good. Yeah, you don't want to hear my horse-like voice anymore. <laughs> exactly. You can do with someone else, someone a bit nicer. <laughs> but no, we're looking. If you want to come on, then don't hesitate to contact us. Um, I think we're going to be in the way of opening up some sort of social media page. And I think we should maybe look to go onto Twitter or something, you know, broaden our horizons. So that'd be something to look forward to. Um from us all here at the Drinks Break Podcast. Take care, have a nice weekend, and we'll see you all soon 